This is Dennis Ramundi. I'm here with my co-host, Phil Goldberg. Uh, our podcast, Spirit Matters, found at spiritmatterstalk.com. Uh, before we get into our interview today, I want to thank those people that have contributed to help keep us on the air. Uh, if you would like to help keep us on the air, we're not a nonprofit. It's not a donation, but we encourage you to contribute. Go to spiritmatterstalk.com and uh, you'll see what to do. Uh, and regardless, uh, our archives, our shows are always and will always be free and available to everyone and anyone. So uh, we are honored to have our guest today. He is author. He is a, also a photographer. Uh, he has spent significant time with uh, Ram Das. met him in 1968. Uh, and uh, he has been primarily a photographer, including freelance work, for the New York Times and other publications. The book being Ram Das. it's a great cover. And uh, I love what it says on the back. And we'll be mostly discussing that today. Thank you so very much uh, for taking the time, Ramesh, for, to come on the show with us today. I'm really happy to be with you. Uh, you know, I, I think, Phil, uh, you and I had some uh, contact when you were doing American Veda years ago. Yeah, pro I, I'm sure we did. Yeah. I, I get all my doses mixed up. As you might. <laughs> <laughs> this, did, yeah. We're the servant class. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Thanks for remembering. Um, Ramesh, we're here mainly to talk about uh, your work with Ram Das and this incredibly uh, thorough uh, memoir, Being Ram Das. Uh, I should let our listeners know this is probably the third time we've had somebody on where Ram Das was the main topic. Because uh, we never were mm -hmm. able to get him on the show, be, you know, because of his declining health and so forth over the years. But uh, we had Mirabai Bush on. Oh, and, yeah. Mirabai is a good friend. Yes. And uh, when when her book with Ram Dass came out and we had Raghu Marcus on. Uh, so I want our listeners to to fill out the uh, Ram Dass uh, trilogy by going to the archive and listening to the others as well. Maybe we should start with how you met Ram Dass. I mean, you you ended up being close to him for more than fifty years. So, how did it begin? And yeah, and then not, you not may so many of us have fifty-year friendships. It's true. Um, I've met him when I was in college. And I, I actually, I never knew uh, Richard Alpert. I just met Ramdas when he first came back from India. And um, it was a life-changing uh, experience in that I think that I had, uh, you know, it's called darshan, which is like in India, it means an encounter or a view of, of usually of like a, a holy being or another state of consciousness and and um, that occurred that Ramdas came to where I was in school at uh, Wesleyan in Connecticut which um, as it turned out which I didn't learn until years later he had done his master's degree in psychology there hmm. Wow. and um, some of his students uh, you know when he'd been a student uh, uh, instructor had uh, uh, by then started teaching psychology at Wesleyan. So uh, they invited him to come speak and I'm expecting you know, the other half of the uh, Leary Alpert duo. <laughs> and uh, this guy walks in in, in uh, 
the frigid March weather <laughs> in Connecticut, frozen mud, basically, uh, barefoot in a, a white dress with a long beard. And he did not look like a Harvard professor anymore. <laughs> no, he didn't. No. I, I wanted to uh, say uh, two things about the book that I enjoyed. One is you don't judge a book by its cover. But if you were to judge a book by its cover, that is <laughs> one great picture. And yeah. the other thing about the book that I, I took that one. I like, I got the book uh, yeah. about a week, I don't know, about a week ago, and I haven't read the entire book, but it's one of those books I picked up. <clears throat> and I, I do know a bit about Ram Dass. And, and, and this speaks volumes about the book. I started reading in the middle and then I went to the end and then went back to the front and I couldn't put it down and I was moving all over with it. It probably may, at some point I'll read, read it from beginning to end, but uh, fascinating stories, great insight, uh, the historical context in which it takes place. I have some familiarity with because of my age and it was just, uh, but, but even for, uh, and I would really also recommend it for young people that really want to get a taste of that generation and, and, and what, um, what the, the growth of uh, spirituality in America, which Phil also brings out in his book, Kirk and yeah. Ada, putting it in context. But that uh, your book really, um, it, it grabbed me in many ways and was incredibly insightful. And uh, it's, I'm not saying this because you're a guest, but it'll be a, a book <laughs> that I would recommend to many people. Well, I, I really do you have a question, Dennis? Okay. Yes, a question. When you first went to see uh, Ram Dass at Wesleyan, and, uh, and, and I, I know what cold uh, Connecticut uh, marches are like because I used to live in, in Massachusetts. Uh, yeah. uh, did you go there as a spiritual seeker? Had you some had any experience with meditation or yoga or anything along those lines? Or did you just go in literally and figuratively cold and, uh, and, and, and what was it that he said that, uh, or, or was, was there anything that, 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 that triggered you at that time? Um, well, I had some interest. Uh, let me, I had, uh, um, I, I, you know, I was tw in my early twenties uh, and, uh, I had had some kind of an experience when I was 16 or 17 that uh, when I was just uh, uh, sitting in the dunes by the beach, not so far from mm -hmm. where I live now. And um, um, it was, you know, that's a stage of life where you're going through a lot and opening into what you uh, know not. And um, I did some sort of... Uh, intensive breathing just you know instinctively and uh i had this experience where the horizon kind of opened up you know it was one of those changes in uh, point of view from uh you know being at the center of the universe to being more like the grain of sand on the beach and um um something like that happened when i saw ramdas for the first time and I had been studying a bit, mostly Taoism uh, and Buddhism. And uh, I wouldn't say that I knew much about meditation at that point, or I certainly knew nothing about yoga. But uh, um, I was really searching for my own identity, as, uh, as we do 
and um, as, as many of us did. Yeah, and I had done some experimenting with uh, modern chemistry as well, <laughs> um, and uh, um, I, I would say I was very open. But what what occurred in that uh, evening, and he spoke uh, in a student lounge and he, he started talking at uh, maybe 7 or 7.30 in the evening and it went on until 3 in the morning. Wow. Um, and he had been on silence in the Himalayas pretty much, uh, you know, for six months learning yoga and meditation. And he had a lot of, uh, a lot of juice. Yeah. And but what, what I experienced in that evening was really this kind of change in, in point of view. You know, again, shifting from uh, myself as the center of the known universe to uh, realizing there was something beyond me. And you ended up uh, joining the the crowd at uh, Neem Karoli Baba's ashrams for a few years with Ram Das, and stayed close to him all those years. So let, let's flash, flash forward a bit, because, you know, he was producing books. You worked with him on some, as mm -hmm. far as I could tell. Yeah, he but, was doing his own writing at that time, mostly, anyway. And, and But later on, you, you, you worked talks. with him. Yeah. And, and um, even after his stroke, he continued to be productive. What led to this memoir? Uh, which I was really happy to hear about because I, when he passed, I thought, Jesus, no good biography of Ram Dass. And mm. then I heard this was coming out and it's really, you know, substantive and thick. What led to it? Did he have to be talked into it? Did he want yeah, to Yeah, I definitely do it? talked him into it. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, he's, he's Mr. B here now. He was not into, you know, re-exhuming the past. Mm. And um, but what we uh, worked out and what I kind of proposed to him was that we look back at his life uh, as if through uh, the eyes of the guru from that soul place. And um, he thought about it for a while and, and, and finally he uh, bought into it. Tell, explain what you meant by that and how he received it and, you know, what the process of doing that for a few hundred pages was like? Well, first, I mean, his idea of the guru is probably different from, um, you know, the conventional um, picture we have of Indian gurus coming west and, you know, accumulating followers and all of that. His feeling about guru was that that was an inner uh, place. And I think he enunciated that pretty thoroughly in his talks. And, and partly for that uh, reason, um, you know, he never set up ashrams and institutions or any of that. And uh, uh, that was Maharaji, our guru's, uh, yeah. uh, you know, modus also. He traveled light. And... Um, that guru place, Ramdas came to associate it with what he also uh, called uh, witnessing, which is uh, uh, kind of looking at your own incarnation from the inner place where uh, you're not just the body and the incarnation. 
And that was one of the alternative titles for this, actually, was Ramdas and Incarnation. Uh. So um, he, he agreed to look back at his life from that standpoint, from that inner uh, view, and um, to kind of um, bring it up. And uh, I think particularly in relation to the stuff from his... Uh, childhood in his early life he he was really bringing stuff up and letting it go mm. and releasing some of the you know the attachment that we have for those parts of our lives that uh, and some of his was you know difficult yeah um and i i think he found it freeing it it mm. was um it was really a long process i mean we worked on this off and on over 10 years um we had a bunch of ups and downs. Um, I, I was out working with him when uh, um, my fourteen-year-old um, daughter was run over and killed back home. Jeez, very and that, it, that you know that was in, incredibly intense and wrenching, and it, it was in some ways. Uh, wonderful to be with him at that mm. moment and i think he helped me see that um you know it wasn't all about my grief in that moment mm. not that it, it you know took away anything from it but it was it helped with the perspective on it and um Another time we were working on the phone and uh, I was in New York and he was in uh, Maui and um, we were talking about a, a book that we'd both been using about Ramakrishna and his disciples. And Christopher he, Isherwood's book. Yeah, yeah, yeah. wonderful book. Yeah. And, and uh, he said at one point, uh, this was when he was still more mobile, and he said, um, hang on, I'll go get my copy. And um, there was nobody else in the house. And I didn't hear him on the phone for a minute or two. And finally, I hear this voice saying, uh, I'm on the floor. I fell. Oh, my God. And there's nobody, you know, else at the other end. And I didn't know what to do. You know, I started calling whoever I could think of. But uh, there was a woman um, who was a, a musician who had done some uh, chanting, playing with them, and she's a cellist, which Ramdas had been in his earlier before mm -hmm. stroke life. And uh, she was driving nearby and she got this message in her head that she had to go see Ramdas. And she went to the house and, you know, somehow got herself in and, and called and found him and got him up on the bed and got help. And it turned out he has broken his hip. Wow. So, I'm you know, this was, an, uh, besides being a, a rather intimate interchange over uh, years, was, uh, um, uh, as they say, an interesting journey. <laughs> Amazing. I, yeah. I'm curious, uh, as uh, Ramdas approached the end of his life on the planet, and uh, obviously he was very aware 
of his condition and that he uh, that his days were coming to an end on the planet. Uh, did he um, did, did he uh, reflect back uh, on his period uh, of life, the period he lived in, and think that uh, there was not so much for him, obviously for him, there was a lot of growth, but as a, as a, as a species, homo sapiens, hmm. people, that there was an evolution in a good direction. Uh, did he see, uh, or did he ever reflect on the changes from 1968 un until he passed uh, in the world? It's something that I've thought about because uh, the time now is not totally like, unlike 1968 when you met him and that there's tremendous yeah. evil and change and it forces us sometimes to go more inward and reflect. And, and I'm wondering uh, what his thoughts were in, in uh, reflecting back on his life in regard to the, the, the society and the, and the culture. I, I think that he felt that uh, good would come out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, that it, it because he had seen so much um, positive change in a uh, uh, spiritual direction over that time. I mean, he, he was really at the, the kindling of the uh, new age and whatever that is mm -hmm. in, in uh, um, bringing yoga and meditation and spiritual practice into this uh, culture. And, and it was part of his own uh, evolution coming out of, you know, living, growing up in the uh, 40s and 50s in a very closed down time uh, you know, when psychology was taking birth, really, in this culture, at least on the, you know, clinical therapy side of things. And uh, he really um, had witnessed a lot of that. And I, I think that he um, felt that the trajectory, uh, you know, as, as he saw it in the people that he saw was was very hopeful, not hopeful, um, he felt there was an evolution of uh, consciousness that was kind of uh, inevitably toward um, more enlightened um, views, but that it was work, you know, and he was trying to help that along and he did what he could uh, both in the uh, social action area. You know, he did a lot of work around dying and with the SEVA Foundation and started this <clears throat> prison ashram project in the 70s you know and, and uh, go yeah, ahead sorry no finish that thought no he was uh, you know it, both that and this promotion uh, that he taught of spiritual practice over those years and if there is and has been uh, an evolution in that direction uh, he was uh, uh, an instrumental part of it I mean, in, right. in, in writing mm -hmm. American Veda, you know, and speaking about the history, um, you, he you looms, really looked at the whole spectrum. Well, yes, but yeah. and he looms as a, a terribly important figure at this meeting ground of East and West and became mm -hmm. a sort of prototype for all of us who became advocates for for, you know, this new way of looking at the world. And, and and when I interviewed him for American Veda and I asked him about his role and all that, he he said he was like an uncle to the baby boomer seekers. Yeah. And and I thought that's perfect metaphor because he was 
he was like your hip uncle to those of us who were, you know, <laughs> 10, 15 years younger. Uh, yeah, you, I was you know. in that cohort. Exactly. Right. And so yeah. many people were. And we've interviewed somebody. In fact, we, you know, we should include Larry Brilliant, who's one oh, yeah. of the people we interviewed uh, in this yeah, context. Yeah, Larry's a good brother. <laughs> and and so um, it, it was an apt metaphor. And he was very important. One of the questions I had for you is, did he ever express any regret for anything that he did, said, or whatever, at, from the time he became a public figure onward? And uh, for example, uh, you know, there were a lot of casualties in the LSD days. Did he ever have any regrets about what happened from, from you know, his and, and Leary's advocacy or... I, I think he had his eyes open about what had happened, and I think he felt um, um, that um, Leary had, um, for one reason or another, and I, I'm not sure that he blamed it on Timothy. I never met Timothy, so I'm, I don't have that um, anchor and things, but... Um, he felt that Leary, uh, maybe because of the uh, uh, persecution from the, you know, in the Nixon period and being declared public enemy number one and <laughs> all that craziness, uh, that he had taken this uh, uh, departure from the serious research that they had started out with and taken it public, you know, in kind of the... Uh, the Kesey um, um, acid test sphere of things and had become a real sort of uh, um, social radical in the same way that he had been uh, really exploring consciousness. And um, that was one aspect of it. And I, th I think that, you know, it's curious because he never uh, renounced psychedelics, always honored what they had done in his opening. And um, at the same time, I think he was very uh, committed to uh, their being used in the right way. You know, they they really started and grounded that whole set and setting part uh -huh. of uh, using psychedelics, which are, is now really uh, part and parcel of the research projects these days, which have been... <laughs> Uh, revived. And, um, you know, I, I remember there was, uh, at one point, uh, one of his students um, in the early days had um, um, gone off to do a retreat in a cave, I think in Arizona, and uh, had died. And the indication was that he had probably taken uh, LSD and um, done some, you know, um, intensive breathing practice or something like that and had, uh, you know, burst an artery or something. And it, it almost was like a suicide. And it bothered Ramdas uh, a lot. And because he felt in some way responsible. Mm. And he asked uh, Maharaji about it, 
uh, next time he went back to India. And um, Maharaji's indication to him was that that had been, um, uh, that that kid had, had really gone to the next um, phase of his uh, enlightenment. And that it was not, uh, you know, while it looked like a bad thing in the, from the physical plane, he was okay. Yeah. And Ramdas found that very reassuring, and and I think you know that he felt like the uh, some of the karma of that period was not as heavy as he might have uh, yeah. imagined. It. Interesting. But, you know, he pushed that uh, the psychedelic stuff to the limits. I don't. I, you can read about that uh, bowling alley experiment they did at Millbrook, which in retrospect looks completely crazy to me, but. <laughs> You know, they took it LSD every day for yeah. three weeks or a month. Oh, geez. Uh, I, I wanted to ask, um, <clears throat> uh, the book is out, it's available. Uh, what what uh, would you hope people get out of reading the book? What would Ram Dass have hoped uh, people got out of reading the book? Well, I, I think his life is kind of a parable that... Uh, other people can use, especially in terms of his uh, search for identity, which was certainly part of my own journey. But I think everyone is working in that direction to some degree. And, and especially uh, young people, I think, find uh, that um, really uh, helpful. And I, I think his attitude toward uh, practice also uh, of kind of the eclecticism and taking what you can use and losing the rest and not getting too caught in the forms. Mm -hmm. And um, I think the trajectory of his um, life from that very um, kind of intellectual um, background in psychology and academics through psychedelics and then all of the yoga practice, which really brought him into this uh, just deeper and deeper state of love. And, you know, if that's, if that's where you end up, it's not too bad. No, and I was struck um, by... Um, like Dennis, I, I haven't had time to read the whole book, but I shot ahead to the end. I wanted to see what mm. he said about the the last years, as you know, up until yeah. you, you finished the book. And it was it's a deeply moving section of the book because he's looking death, you know, he's looking at death mm -hmm. and and squarely it's something we're all going to have to do and should you know we it, there's he's a, in that sense a role model for you yeah. know how how you know approaching that stage of life but um at one point he said uh, he moved from thinking about love to being love yeah and i thought that's really that's powerful what was it like to be with him in in those days uh, it was like he had become, uh, instead of a, uh, you know, a um, 
a, a, a teacher who was telling you about things and, uh, you know, giving practices or even, you know, leading meditation, that he was just radiating love. And he had just become that, that sort of, um, he had become that state to some extent. And we, uh, in the first book that I worked on with him, uh, which is called Be Love Now, we started exploring that uh, state, and not just through his uh, work, but uh, there are a lot of stories of the Indian saints and about Maharaji, and uh, it, it was um, really, uh, you know, I, th I think that became evident, and he began to talk about love as a state of being instead of as a relationship. Mm. And and that I think is a, a a different way of looking at it, and um, again, it's that sort of shift in point of view that I think is really <clears throat> helpful at some point. Dennis, let me follow up. He, he also talks writes in in those days, or you mm -hmm. you and he about um, looking forward to death in in a certain way. You know, you saw that. You know, he, yeah. he, he was the body was just like. A nuisance it sounded like after a while um did he express that at times did it alarm people how did people around him react to you know him being candid about such things yeah i i, I have never been with anybody who was less afraid of dying i don't think he had much fear about it at all and um He had worked with uh, so many people at that time of uh, transition and sat with people during the AIDS crisis and uh, um, in, in many other situations for years. I mean, starting with his mother's death, he had really uh, kind of seen that the, the approach to death in our culture needed to change. And it, he was working on it uh, you know, for himself, of course, uh, also. Um, and I think that uh, what had occurred with uh, when uh, uh, our guru died in 1973, um, and we were, I, you know, I expected him to be there for a long time. <laughs> and he... <laughs> he uh, in India, there's a phrase when, uh, you know, like there's a... Uh, a bus accident or something like that, and the driver runs away. They say he absconded. <laughs> and I think that's what Maharaji did. And that's what Ramdas did, too. I mean, as far as uh, I'm concerned, because he left me to uh, finish the editing and uh, do the, you know, get through the publication of this thing. And uh, uh, it was very light for him. But being with him when he died, and it's it's the only time I've actually sat with somebody when they left, when they left their body. And um, it was not like I, a, a, a moment, and my own emotions were so uh, mixed. I mean, I was so um, sorry to... Uh, you know, have him go because I, my 
time with him was so uh, enjoyable. And probably I, I prolonged this project somewhat so I could hang out with him more. <laughs> but I was also so happy for him to get out of that body, which, as you say, had gotten you know less and less uh, viable. And he, he had a lot of pain uh, all the time. He had diabetes. He had neuropathy in his feet. You know, the effects of the stroke had uh, on the paralyzed side of his body had left things in pretty bad shape uh, and um, he never complained hmm. I mean you could uh, question him closely and then he would kind of admit that you know this or that was really bothering him but um, he had a way of uh, working with that which I think also took him through um, which was, um, you know, kind of detachment, and I think really centered on that ability to uh, not identify so much with the body. Mm -hmm. um, there's a chapter near the end where uh, we uh, uh, speculated not about the uh, after death state, but about the before birth part. And what it might have been like uh, in, um, well, I guess, what you would call kind of an astral uh, plane, planning his birth as Richard Alpert with Maharaji. <laughs> mm. It's a fantasy, but yeah. it's also uh, kind of, I think, what he thought of as how it really works. And the reincarnation <laughs> part was something that um, made resonated for him um, deeply. Um, and I will say that after he left his body, his presence was very strong. Hmm. I mean, uh, and it was familiar to me. It's not, you know, I, I kind of, um, you can say it's imagination or whatever. I, in fact, you know, people used to uh, ask him, um, as somebody said to him, uh, he often told the story, but somebody would say to him, you you talk to your dead guru <laughs> and he would say yeah and the person said that's your imagination and he said yeah <laughs> <laughs> great 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 answer <clears throat> Phil, any final questions yeah um we only have a couple of minutes uh ramesh um, no this has been fun thank you this you know one of the things I, that struck me when i saw the book um was there's a few unusual things about it no author name on the cover just yeah. being ramdas with this incredible picture and on the back instead of the usual endorsement blurbs or you know <laughs> dis uh, description of the book there's just love everyone serve everyone remember god tell the truth, which, as I understand it, is what uh, Maharaji or uh, Neem Karoli yeah. Baba would say. And he did say. Yes. And so <laughs> there it is on the only yeah. thing on the back of the cover. So I'm curious if in a minute or two, what, why that decision to design it that way? And what have those words uh, meant to you in over time? Um, 
Well, I finally got my my name on the book on the spine, but <laughs> <laughs> yes, it is. <laughs> and oh, well, um, also in the in the flap, you got your picture. Oh yeah, and, no, I mean we uh, very much. Uh, I mean, first of all, I, I I loved having that photo on the cover, and my, my thought was that um, it was such a uh, strong image. Those eyes, I figured, you know, you if you saw that across a bookstore aisle, it would probably grab your attention. Yeah. And the uh, of course, no bookstores were book open, stores, but yes. what to do? <laughs> <laughs> That, that will hopefully occur once more. Yeah. Um, and uh, we, we have less than a minute, Phil, just so you know. Yeah. OK. Uh, you know, it. this was something uh, along the line of uh, his um, um, becoming nobody in his life. Having the uh, design in on the back that way with yeah, you, and it's so much about Maharaji and that relationship with him yeah. that that was the seemed like the core. Did he did, was he still around when that decision was made? No, mm -mm. So, we finished the cover design and the editing uh, after he had died, and it probably had to do a lot of fact checking. Yeah, we did some fact checking. And, uh, <laughs> one of the things he was very concerned about was uh, hurting anyone's feelings. Yeah. So we did our best with that. We probably did anyway. But yeah. and checking one another's memories and uh, yeah. Yeah. I know. I I I worked with a famous person on a memoir once, and that the memory pieces checked against newspaper records is was a, a project. Thank you so much for being with us. Thanks for producing yeah, you guys this are great. very important and useful book. I hope everybody reads it. It's a book. Being we'll have all the information posted up as well. Okay. Thanks for being with us, Ramesh. Take good care. We'll Thank let you know Thank when you. this is up.